0: Well, it's really great to see you today. Welcome to Fairdale Christian, and I got a couple of things I want to remind you about that are coming up just right around the corner. Uh, number one, if you are a football fan, I hope you that you are, uh, but I also hope that you're a, a Bengals fan, would you say a little prayer for our guys today as they go in and and uh, defeat the Kansas City Chiefs? Hey, we really need to win. But it, it, uh, And we've got a special event coming up right here on Super Bowl Sunday is our... Our Super Bowl of preaching, if you've ever been a part of that, you know it's a great day and uh, lots of fun. It really is, is a day that you don't want to miss, and it'd be a wonderful opportunity for you to invite friends or neighbors, uh, family to come and join us, especially if you know someone, if there's someone in your life that maybe, uh, this is the thing I like to tell people, is if you, if you know anybody that has been a little bit uh, apprehensive about attending a church service because they say, oh, I don't know, it just sounds boring or it sounds this or, you know, maybe they've got some church hurt in their background. This is like the greatest day of the year to invite them to because they're going to get to see a side of the family of God that they may not understand that we can be actual people and have fun. That's good. So, and great spiritual content as well. So that's coming up on February the 12th. And today, as you leave, the worship team is going to be out in the lobby. They've got some special invitations. They're they're little tickets that uh, they'd love to give you to pass out to friends. Uh, take as many as you want, and we, uh, we really are looking forward to that day. And here's where we need your help. One of the things that we do, if, you, if you've been a part of the day, you know that it's kind of a preach-off, and there's several different rules and things that have to happen, and there's fouls and whatever stuff that can happen. But one of the things that we have to do is in the middle of our, of our messages, we have to work in random phrases that come from you guys And this is all random. We do not know what the phrases are going to be ahead of time. We have to draw from a bowl and then just work it in. So this year we're asking you to text in a random song lyric. You know, come up with something funny. We don't need a paragraph, we just need a line, that that's, would be great, but if you could text that to the phone number on the screen there, it's also in your event card, if you got an event card you came in, that phone number's in there, so use your creative, uh, your creative juices and maybe you can come up with something funny or whatever, and I usually get lame ones, so I, whoever texts the lame one, that's going to go right to me, I'm sure, that's the way it always works out. But uh, we're really excited about, about February the 12th. Now, we've been in this series <clears throat> for the last couple of weeks called In the Beginning. We're looking at the first few chapters in the book of Genesis. And we talked about, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about creation and God creating the universe, the world, and, and, and all of those things. Last week, we talked about sin, you know, Adam and Eve in the garden and, and uh, disobedience to God. I heard this, uh, this story about. One day Adam before God created Eve, Adam was sitting alone in the garden and he he says to God he says, "You know you've given me life you've given me purpose you've given me uh, I have to name every animal there's plenty of food to eat i uh, I'm comfortable and I have a sense of purpose but I'm feeling really lonely is there anything you can do to fix that and so God said to Adam he said "Well I can give you a partner um, and and here's what I'll do we'll call her Eve and she's going to be the most wonderful thing you've ever seen in your life. She's going to be beautiful. She'll be smart. She's going to take care of you. She'll make sure that you're fed, that you're clothed. She's going to give you children. She's going to take care of the children. She's going to enforce your rules. She's going to, she's going to just, in every, in every way, she'll be graceful and warm, kind and thoughtful and caring, and she'll always be there for you. But it's going to cost you an arm and a leg. And Adam said, well, what can I get for a rib? Well, something that I think we all know about life is that uh, it, it takes different twists and turns. There's always challenges that we're facing. And and if you've been, again, if you've been if you've been here the last few weeks, we're looking at we're looking at Genesis, the beginning of the Bible. What's the beginning of our origin story? How did we get here? All the things that happened to us in life, and 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 the the, the just the things that are implanted in our DNA that we just can't escape. Where did all that come from? That's what we've been looking at and we know that in the beginning god's word says that god created that means he made us with intention you're not a product of random chance i think that's why there's probably so much depression and anxiety and Things like that that seems it's on the rise today is because we keep telling telling each other that you're just random, that you're just random. There's no purpose to life. And so, you know, well, if there's no purpose, then what's the point of anything? Last week, we looked at, again, we looked at the fall of man, Adam and Eve, the first record of sin, the very first instance of disobedience to God's law and the fallout that's taken place since that time. We talked a little bit about temptation. And the difference, and there is a difference between temptation and sin, it's not a sin to be tempted, it's, it's, what you, it's what you do with that temptation. And today I want to make another distinction. And that's the difference between temptation and testing. All of us in this room are going to face periods of testing from God. And if you're not in that in the middle of that right now, you will be, or you've just come through it. And this is, this is really the major difference between temptation and testing. Temptation is it's the desire to do something sinful. You know, it's when we, we're enticed. Because Satan, our spiritual adversary, he is he, using what he knows about us against us. He knows about our desires, and, and he's going to try to... Try to drag us away from what God has called good. And that's something that God never does. Temptation. Temptation does not come from God. James 1 verse 13 tells us exactly that. It says, remember, when you're tempted, when you are tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong and he never tempts anyone else. But testing is different. And here's what I know. Tests take us higher. When you and I take a test to get to where we need to be, to get to where we want to go, we've got to pass the test. They take us higher. Tests elevate our thinking and our lives, they help us to get to new places and reach new spiritual heights than we've ever been before. And for a man named Abraham, in Genesis chapter 22, this is exactly what he experienced. And we're going to take a look at today. Y'all pray for me, because this passage that I'm getting ready to preach on is probably the most, it's, it's in the top five, I would say, one of the most difficult passages of Scripture for us to understand, because it just seems so barbaric. I, I, if I'm just being very, very, very honest, it's challenging for a long time, I did not like this story, and I avoided it. Because I, I didn't like it. It's crazy and it's troubling. And, and the one thing that I've learned, and I, I really want you to hear this the one thing that I have learned in my, in my journey with following God and, and trying to chase after Jesus is when you bump up against something that's troubling, let's say you're reading the Bible and you say, This doesn't make sense. This doesn't seem right. I, don't, I, don't, I, can't, I can't justify this in my mind. Whenever you bump up against something like that, you've got to lean into it, you've got to keep digging. You can't look at it and just say, well, that just makes no sense and and just begin to to doubt and question. You've got to start digging and praying, and you've got to start asking God for insight and understanding because there's a truth there somewhere. There's a truth there that God wants you to understand, and it's it's going to reveal to us that he has a very powerful future plan for us. My heart breaks when I speak to people who... Walked away from the church and they've walked away from a relationship with Jesus because they found something in God's word that they say, I I just don't understand that. That just doesn't seem right. Why why would God do that? Keep digging into that. There's some things that we're going to have to get through in the moment. Now, God had promised Abraham that he would make him a great nation. He said, I'm going to use you. Your offspring, your, your line, your lineage is, is going to be a great nation. He said repeatedly, he said that uh, it would be through your oldest son named Isaac. All these promises that God made to Abraham, they are contingent on Isaac. It's all about him. That's his firstborn. That's his heir. And not just in terms of how DNA operates, but culturally. This is really important. This is your oldest. This is your firstborn son. And I'm going to do great and wonderful things through Your line through Isaac. And in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2 and 3, this is what God says to Abraham. He says, here's the promise. He says, I'm going to make you a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great. These are all good things from God to Abraham. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And here's a really big statement. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. That's a big deal. All the people, through all history, every person, will be blessed through you, Abraham. This is the founding of the nation of Israel, the Hebrew nation. Abraham's that founder. He's the beginning point. And this is the original, this is the original vision statement that God gives them. This is who you're going to be. This is how it's going to happen. You're going to start small, but you're going to grow and grow and grow. And, and, and Abraham, you're going to be the father of a great nation. It's a big promise because if you know anything about this story, at this point in time, Abraham and his wife Sarah are old. They're senior citizens. They are, they are well past child-rearing, you know, child-bearing years. It's just not looking like it's going to be in the cards for them at all. So this is a huge promise. But Abraham believes God, and through some twists and turns and a lot of stuff, I don't really have time this morning. We could dig into it for probably, probably a month or so, but we don't have time today. But Sarah becomes pregnant. She gives birth to a son. They name him Isaac. This is happening. All of this is happening in a time when all, all the other nations that were around him commonly practiced sacrifice. And not just any kind of old sacrifice. But it was a common practice in Abraham's day to practice child sacrifice. Uh, and up to this point, God doesn't really say anything about it. One way or the other. Uh, so therefore, Abraham, you've got to think Abraham, he's in this, this is where he is. He's kind of like us. I see a lot of correlation between Abraham and and us today because, uh, you know, for for us, we live in this religious, spiritual environment in America, you know, the spiritual religiosity of, you know, it's it's nothing for us to hear a politician talking about God or prayer or faith, things like that, whatever corner of America, it just kind of rubs off on us. I went to the, uh, last night I was at the the orchestra downtown, great show, but they were doing a they were doing movie uh, songs from movies, and uh, one of the movies was the movie Munich, and the song was uh, A Prayer for Peace, and the uh, conductor, who I think is wonderful, and I, I don't know him at all, I don't know anything about his background, but he turned to the crowd, he made the statement, he said, we're going to do this song, A Prayer for Peace, and he, he started getting tears in his eyes, and he said, you know, that's something that we've all been praying for for Years and years and years, isn't it? We've all been praying for peace. And you can just hear in the crowd everybody going, hmm, yeah. And I thought that was sort of funny because, I, 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 you know, just statistics alone, I know that at least half the people in that room probably aren't believers. So I'm thinking, who, who are you praying to? Well, what it, but it's just sort of, sort of that religiosity that we have. And, and, and it's not just with that. But when it comes to, to God, the, the God of the Bible, we bring all of these thoughts all these cultural thoughts with us. And we kind of think that, and maybe it's baggage that we've got, some baggage in our you know, previous hurt or pain or whatever because everybody else just believes this, everybody else thinks this, so it must be true. It must be right about God. We kind of let all that stuff filter in. So with that as the backdrop, let's look at what happens in Genesis 22, starting in verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah, go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. What do we do when God asks us to do something that we don't want to do or that we don't like or we don't expect? Abraham, in this moment, he has a choice to make. And he, is he going to do this thing that God has asked him to do? Sounds pretty unreasonable. Or is he going to ignore it and just go on with his life? Verse 3. The next morning... Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. And then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering. And he set out for the place that God had told him about. Certainly looks like he's taken all the steps. Saddles the donkey. He gets the wood, grabs his son. Here we go. There's something that I think is interesting about this story, you have to remember at at this moment in time, you and I, we know way more about God than Abraham does right at this moment. We know much more about his nature. We have, of course, God's word that Abraham didn't have. We have the word of God. We have the example of Jesus and we know. And Jesus said, hey, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. So we understand a lot about the nature of God, just even even through what we know about, about Christ. We know infinitely more about what God is like than Abraham does in this moment. And here's the problem with this story in particular. When you read this, and some of you, you know where this story is getting ready to go. I'm not going to spoil it just now. Some of you, maybe you've never heard this before. And this is new, and and it's, it's, it's troubling. It is. But here's the problem. The longer that we're Christians... Those of us that, you know, remember the flannel graphs in Sunday school? We probably had a little baby. Let's put little Isaac up on the fire now, guys. Like, that's kind of creepy, you know? But we, we, we've heard the story, we know it. And the longer that we follow God, what we begin to do is we try to justify this story. And we say, well, now, uh, this sounds terrible, but we know what's going to happen. And God, you know, God, He, he, didn't, he didn't actually wasn't going to have Him do this. And he wasn't, blah, blah, blah. you know, we, we do that because we know how the story ends. You know, I know it sounds crazy, but we try try to soften the blow. But here's my challenge to us this morning. Let's not try to do that. Let's just sit in this tension for a minute. Let's just sit here. This is pretty uncomfortable. This is pretty messed up, right? Abraham has just been asked by God, who he doesn't know very well. God says, hey, you know your son your only son, the son that you so love, like God's kind of rubbing his nose in it. If you remember those verses, it says, take your son, your only son, the son that you so love, the son that I gave you beyond all expectation. You had, you had a child. And you know, you know, I promised that I was going to do some things through you and through him. I was going to make a great nation, but I've changed my mind. And I imagine that what Abraham must have thought in this moment, and again, with his cultural experience and what was very commonplace at the time, I imagine that his thought process was, well, I thought you may have been different. The child sacrifice was common in his day, and so he most likely thought, and again, I'm speculating, but I, I, don't, think it's, I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that Abraham probably thought, well, I was hoping that this God wasn't going to ask me to do this crazy child sacrifice thing. But I guess that's the way it's going to be. And yet Abraham, he ultimately chooses to obey. The story continues, verse 4, it says, On the third day of their journey, so you understand that Abraham and Isaac, it's not like they just went around the corner. They've been traveling for hundreds of miles. This is a multi-day journey. Lots of time to think about how nuts this is. Lots of time to turn back and go home and say, forget this, this is crazy. But on the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and he saw the place in the distance. And he said, stay here with the donkey. That's Abraham talking to his servants. He says, the boy and I are going to travel a little farther and we will worship there. And then we, thats underline that in your brain, we will come right back. Now, there's a lot of speculation about those verses. Uh, first, why did Abraham take servants with him? What I tend to believe and what a lot of theologians say is, by this time, Isaac's probably a teenager. You know, I've got a 15, almost 16-year-old son. He's getting pretty big. I can still whoop him, but <laughs> it'd be, it could get a little close now. You know, I mean, he's got a little strength to him. By this time, Abraham's an old guy, so he probably took some servants in case they get into a tussle. He's, he needs some help to to hold him down. Uh, The the next question is, well, why did Abraham tell his servants to stay back and then say, we will come right back? You've got to realize here, Abraham thinks that he's going to be killing Isaac at the top of that mountain. And and I've got to think that he also believes that somehow, some way, God's going to get him out of this. Uh, He doesn't understand why. Maybe he's thinking that somehow God's going to bring Isaac back from the dead, uh, because God had promised, he made these promises, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a great nation out of you, I'm going to use Isaac, this is going to happen. Uh, but not only that, you know, maybe, maybe there's, some, there's some end here, he's thinking, okay, there's something that God's doing, and I don't understand it. We, we don't really don't know, we really don't know what that, why he said that, but we, we've got to ultimately just trust, uh, and, and that's where Abraham is, I'm going to trust in God, this is brutal, This is agonizing for Abraham, and this is the way it's going to be with us. We talk about testing and where God wants us to go and the things that he's calling us to do in in our lives. Your level of discomfort will be proportionate with your level of vision. Uh, God's purpose, his purpose, always corresponds to the pain that you're going to experience on the way to that purpose. There's no, easy, there's no easy path. There's no easy way. The only easy is a lackluster life. That's that's it. You want easy? Then don't expect anything spectacular. God's way, His purposes, are always going to be proportionate with your threshold of pain. It's, it's not the higher the goal, the easier it is. The higher the goal, the more difficult it is. And, and your ability to endure pain and difficulty. And I, and I hate saying this because I wish it wasn't true. I wish, it, I wish that I could say, oh, yeah, no, no, God, God just wants all good things for you. It's all fluffy and, and, and tingly-wingly, and he's just, he's just going to pat your head and say, good boy, good girl all the time. That's, but that's not true. Your ability to endure pain and endure difficulty will be directly related to the heights to which you and I will go and where God wants to take us and what he wants to do through you. There are some things in life, There are some things in life, there are just no ways but through it. You've got to walk through the valley. You ever read a verse of scripture and think I had no idea that was in the Bible? It happens to me all the time. I'm like, I don't know if I've read that before I just forgot it or it just never struck me. Well, that happened to me this past week. I read a verse of scripture that I do not remember ever reading before. It's Proverbs 14, verse 4. It says, without oxen... A stable stays clean, but you need a strong ox for a large harvest. Think about what that verse is saying. You know, Maybe this is why I, I don't remember it, because this week I came to it, and I'm like, I know exactly what it's saying. It's literally saying, if you want a great harvest, if you want there to be fruit in your life, then get ready to shovel some poop. That's what it says. Without an ox, you've got a clean stable. I, I don't know. I grew up on a farm, guys. I've shoveled a lot of manure in my life. I know, I know what it's like. And, and you've got animals around, there's going to be poop. It's just a fact. That it's the way it is. And that's what the Bible says. If you, you know, without it, hey, you've got a clean space. Easy. Very easy. But if you want a great harvest, you're going to need a strong ox, which means you're going to be doing a lot of shoveling. That's just the way that life is. There's, sometimes there's no way but through the hard stuff. When there's people, there's problems, and, and where there's problems, there's poop. That's just the way it is. Let's keep walking through this story. Verse 6. It says, So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together... This, this next line, it would be so easy for it to just fall flat, but just put yourself right there. Just, as they walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and says, Father, yes, my son, we have the fire and we have the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? I think at this moment something's beginning to dawn on him uh, this is not this doesn't feel real good right now verse 8 God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering my son Abraham answered and they both walked on together Now we don't know exactly what's going on in their minds this has got to be tense I'm sure uh, imagine it had to be sinking in for Isaac that something's not right uh, but did Abraham, did Abraham have a level of trust in his gut that God was going to get him through this, that he was going to provide a workaround? We don't know. All we know is that he's going forward and obeying. And now what we're going to see in a moment is, uh, here's, here's the spoiler alert for you. Some of you already know this, but God's not gonna, God is not going to have him kill Isaac. That's not how this goes down, but what we do see is that this is a a really a, a backdrop of what Jesus is going to do. There's so many things through scriptures you read it there's just like this thread that is woven all through the old and new testament where we see these accounts, these records of things that happened, things that were foretold that just is a foreshadow of what Jesus is getting ready to do. Jesus carried wood up the hill. He carried his own cross up to up Calvary up to Gol- Golgotha. Uh, and and he was the sacrifice for our sins. The only father who loses a son in this story is God. But Abraham, he, d- he doesn't know that in this moment. He's just doing what God tells him to do every step of the way. And here's the moment, verse 9 and 10. It says, When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and he laid him on the altar on top of the wood and Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice he's following in all the steps uh, he, he has bound Isaac up he's laid him on the altar and here here is the son that God promised him old in old age this miracle son uh, I'm gonna make a great nation through you I'm gonna bless you I'm gonna bless all the people on earth through you Abraham through your firstborn son, Isaac, and yet here he is laying on an altar, terrified as you stand over him with a knife, getting ready to kill him. And as he pulls the knife up, God intercedes at the last moment, and, and he, he commends him for his faithfulness. It's amazing. And again, again as barbaric as this sounds to our ears, it's, it, is, it is, right? This is crazy. To Abraham and to people of his day, this wouldn't have been all that barbaric. It would have been fairly commonplace because they did this sort of thing. Their False religions required this sort of thing. And and here's what happens in Genesis 22, verse 11. It says, at that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy. The angel said, do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. So what happened here? All of a sudden, now Abraham knows. He knows that God's not like that. Now he now he understands that. He knows that he's not a God that requires him to sacrifice his child. In fact, he's going to be the one sacrificing. And God knows that Abraham passed the test. See, it really doesn't. Here's the thing: it really doesn't matter what our intentions are. Here's what a lot of us do when we think about. What God has asked us to do, what He's calling us to do, the tests that He's going to put us through. We say, Well, I intend to do this, or I'm planning on doing that. It really doesn't matter what we intend or what we plan. None of that really adds up to anything. The only thing that matters is what we do. And what God is looking for is obedience. God's looking not for your intentions. He's not looking for your plans. He's not looking for what you hope to do sometime. Or one day I'm going to get my life on track, but just not today, but maybe tomorrow. He's not looking for that. He's looking for what are you going to do? He's looking for steps, obedience. See how this story wraps up. In verse 13, it says, Then Abraham looked up, and he he saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram, and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And then Abraham named the place... Yahweh Jireh, which means the Lord will provide, and to this day people still use that name as a proverb, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. Here's something we need to know about these tests in our lives, in our lives. Tests inform us and they also inform God. The testing that God puts you and I through, they inform us. something they also inform God of something there's something really interesting in this passage when 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 Abraham raises the knife and the angel stops him you know and says now 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 I know that you truly fear God now I know you you wouldn't have even withheld your son you were gonna you were gonna go through with it some of you are gonna ask the question and it's valid it's valid okay if God knows everything if he's all knowing Then why does it say, well, now I know? Was there something added to God's knowledge base? Or did he already know what Abraham was going to do? And if he already knew, then why the test in the first place? I've got a really, really solid, great answer to that question. I'm going to make you feel really good. I have absolutely no idea. (laughs) I, I don't know. I I, I have no idea, but but it, it does appear to me, if I'm just being honest to the text, if I'm being true to the text, it does appear to me that there are tests that God puts us through because we're learning who we are, and God, we're we're learning who we are, and we're learning what we're made of, and God is seeing what our obedience will look like. I don't know how that works. I don't know how that works with God all-knowing and what does He know versus what, what does He learn or see or see or whatever. But all that I see from the text is that we are learning something about ourselves, and God is seeing what our obedience will be like. What is, what is it that God's asking you to do? And are you doing it? This is different for all of us. There are some things that are just, you know, God's standards for all of us. like you don't get to pick and choose, loving your neighbor. That's not just for some of us. It's all. That's for all. Right? Following Jesus, you know, uh, forgiving others as God has forgiven you. Tell the truth. Practice generosity. Live with integrity. Like that's not like, oh, I got the spiritual gift of integrity, and you're just kind of a knucklehead. No, it's, we're all called to those same standards. But there are some things that are specific. Like, will you take the step? Will you take the step of going to counseling? To get to the root of your anger problem. Perhaps that's a test for some of you right now. Because it's causing a lot of strife in your life, in your workplace, in your relationships, in your marriage. And you know, boy, I really need to do something about this. And God is saying, yeah, will you? Will you take the step? Because you're not going to go beyond until you take the step. Uh, will you be, here's, here's, a, here's one, ready? I'm going to pour a little salt in the wound for this time of the year. Will you be honest? When you do your taxes, even though you may not like how the government spends your money, but will you be a person of integrity? Uh, Will you make the time to pursue a relationship with God? Instead of saying, well, one day I'll get to that. One day I'm going to do that, but probably not today. Tomorrow's not looking so good either. But I I, I know so many people that that we have sort of these marks in our mind. Well, when I hit 30... I'm going to get serious. Or when I hit 40, or maybe it's 50, I don't know. When it, you know we, keep, we keep moving back the goalpost, but at some point, that's the time, this is the day that I'm going to get serious, and we just keep moving it. Today's the day, now's the time. Here's the last few verses in this story. We'll wrap up. Verse 15 says, Then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says Because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name, that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed all because you have obeyed me. God's just reiterating to him over everything he'd already promised again. He says, man, all Everything that I promised to you, I'm going to do every one of them for you. And here's a crazy thing. Think about this. This is, this is crazy. But you and I are here today because Abraham passed the test. That's true. You and I. It's crazy. It's crazy, but it's true. You and I, part of our lineage. It's in, it's in us. The reason that we sit here today. Is because Abraham passed the test. All nations will be blessed because of you. God spoke those words. Uh, We're part of this. Even Jesus. If you know his lineage, the Messiah came through the line of Abraham. Our Messiah, our Savior came through Abraham because of his obedience. All because he passed the test. This is a tough scripture, guys. I feel like I've run a marathon. Uh, but there is a lot that we can learn from it. Is God going to ask you to sacrifice your child? No. And that's what Abraham learned here, is you're not like this. You're not like other gods. You're not like a, false religions that require these crazy things. God doesn't want you to stand up and turn around three times and you know, cluck like a chicken or something like that. But there are tests. There are things that he wants you to push through, and he's watching to see how are you going to respond. Because you've got free will. Are you going to rise to the occasion? Or are you going to ignore it and go on with your life? Because the only way you're going to go higher, the only way that you're going to win, and the only way you're going to get to new places and new growth and new opportunities is by passing the test. I don't know a single person in my life that likes tests. I certainly didn't. I crammed for them the night before and hoped that my neighbor would get some of the right answers. I might be able to see but you got to take the test. And you got to pass the test before you can move on. Let me pray for us. Lord, thanks for being not just, not just a sovereign God, which I, we, you are, but you are also, your word says that you are a friend that is closer than a brother to us. And I understand, Lord, that as I read this story today and and others like it in your word that are very troubling to me and very difficult for me to understand help us as we continue to lean into that and pursue you would you would you speak to our hearts help us to see the truth help us to see what you want us to see reveal to us from your word the truth for our lives i'm thankful that you are a god who challenges us as uncomfortable as those challenges may be it's because you are it's because you are good and loving you prune us not because you're harsh but because you want new life to come forth so help us lord to to be obedient and to be faithful even in the moments of pain and the discomfort help us to rise the occasion give us strength through your holy spirit so we can stand before you faultless and strong God, thank you for these men and women here today. I pray that you bless them this week. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you guys. I'll see you next Sunday.